Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, JMU Sports News podcast listeners. We're coming at you with a quick kind of, uh, what would you call this, a PSA? Yes. We want to know how we are doing. It's new year, new us. So we want to we kind of peek behind the curtain and, and see what makes you guys tick. Yeah, we want to do this for fun, which is why we do this. But we also want to make sure that we are providing content that's relevant to you. So if there's things that we do that you like or dislike, let us know. We want to know things like maybe when you stop listening to the podcast, do you get all the way through? Are there areas that you wish we'd focus on more? Sports you wish we'd focus on more? Whatever it is, we're happy to tailor these podcasts to your desires. Yeah, do you want to hear more of us rambling, talking about nonsense? Um, or do you want to hear us talk more about why we think a cover two defense with man coverage on the outside and no over-the-top safety help is destroying JMU's football's chances at winning a national championship? We can do both. Um, we do a little bit of both on every podcast, and you guys hear it. So if you let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear, where we lose you, um, and if you make it to the end of podcasts, we would love to know that too because we would really like to see how many of our estimated audience size of 88 make it to that end mark. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, that's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. JMU Sports News Podcast. into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. And Jack, it's Natty Week. It is Natty Week. Um, <laughs> what, on Monday we weren't too into it, and then come Tuesday? Or when was that? What even was that article posted? The second that we said that the Dukes had a better decade than uh, NDSU, I think things started to get real. They did. I think that was Monday. I think that was Monday. My days are all messed up, and so sure. Things have gotten real, and I was with you. I was not, I wouldn't say I was, you know, unthused or anything like that. I was certainly excited, but I wasn't necessarily amped for this game earlier in the week with some time off and then just working on 
You've obviously got the holidays in between the last time they played yeah. and a lot of work, I think, for both of us. So with that, you're distracted. You've got family stuff going on, all those different things. You're not really focused on the national championship game. You read some stories or whatever and see some tweets. But this week, holidays are over. Everything's over. And you're focusing on this game. And the more I've looked into it, the more I've looked at the stats and the different teams and read stuff from the fan bases. These two teams are both so good. And they get to finally play so that we don't we can stop talking here on Saturday about you know all these different stats and all these different one-off games and finally just have the best team in the country. And I could not be more excited. Yeah, I have a piece coming out tomorrow on JMU Sports News. Um, you can check it out at JMU Sports News on Twitter. And you can head on over to our home on the web, www.jmusportsnews.com to stay up to date all the time. But that was a nice little that was great. plug. Yeah. Um, but I have a piece coming out tomorrow, and it's it's on kind of how I believe JMU is better than North Dakota State this season. Um, but as I was writing it, I was kind of just – I got halfway through, and I kind of just realized I, I don't know if JMU is necessarily <laughs> better, but they're definitely the exact same thing. And then I was like, this is kind of coming off as biased, and, like, I don't mean it to be biased because I, like – if I was a fan of, say, Jacksonville State – I would believe that JMU is better just like based off of the eye test and right. some of the stats. But as I was writing it, I, I finished it off and the quick teaser to it, I, like so, the one of the last lines was just really JMU fans are going to agree with me in this article and North Dakota state fans are going to tweet angrily at me about how I'm stupid. And that's the beauty of this week. It's all talk. And then come Saturday at noon Eastern time on ABC Everything will be settled, and that article will be settled in real time. I think that's what's so exciting for me is that you can make a case for both of these teams without being a lunatic. Like, I think in some years past in some of these games, like if JMU had somehow gotten by Colgate last year <clears throat> going into the Fargo Dome, yeah. there was not a legitimate case that the Dukes could win that game, unless, of course, you're ESPN Richmond, which <laughs> you'll make that case. But <laughs> that was the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. I was listening to them for those that don't know. I think Rashad Robinson was on, but then they started talking about the game after. But at one point they asked Rashad, they're like, if you guys had beaten Colgate, like you definitely would have played in the championship. And I was like, what? Like that wasn't <laughs> happening. But anyway, um, no, I mean, I think this year you can make a case for both teams. And in 2016, I think when they played North Dakota State in the Fargo Dome, there was certainly a case for JMU. But I think even then. Oh, yeah. You were crazy it, if you thought JMU yeah, was you winning were, that game. You were probably smart to go with the Bison. And I think in 2017, Maybe JMU was slightly favored based on what they had done that year and looked a little bit better at times, and then they end up losing. So I think these teams have been so evenly matched the last few years with the exception of last year. I think the last four, with the exception of last year, three of those four years, the teams have really been, you know, if they played ten times, I wouldn't be surprised if each team won five or something like that. So yeah, it's going to be just so fun to see which team can go out and execute at a higher level because they're both – very good at executing and very good at every position group, which is, oh, I don't know. I'm just so excited. For this and, and they're the same team. That's like, the best part. They're both dominant from the inside out. They dominate the trenches and that opens up everything else for them. They run the ball to establish the pass. They run the ball to win the game. They run the ball to, to keep the clock moving and to win the time of possession battle. They beat you up front on defense. They get to your quarterback with two big guys in the middle that clog up the run and eat up blockers on the pass attack. 
pass attack. I don't even know where that came from. And then the guys on the outside can get to the quarterback and are also athletic enough to shed blocks and get to the running back. And that then covers up the secondary and their linebackers are just great across the board. These are literal, literal, these are literal mirror images of each other. And if JMU had played all FCS opponents, they'd be 15 and 02, just like North Dakota State. Right. I mean, they're just so evenly matched. They're both such good teams. And I love that point where you're saying they play from the inside out because they really do. And there are a lot of FCS teams that run to establish the pass or at least try to, but they yeah. don't have receivers or quarterbacks who are this efficient. You've got Trey Lance, the most efficient passer in the country. Ben DiNucci slides in at number two. <laughs> and that's what makes this such a good matchup is that these teams can run the ball incredibly well. They're remarkably good on the ground. Both are right around 250 plus yards per game. So they run the ball phenomenally. Yeah. But then they also have great skill players. The offensive line protects well. Their quarterbacks are mobile and deadly accurate. And I think that is what makes it so interesting is that they'll run the ball and they force teams to bring players into the box. And then when they do, they absolutely destroy you on the pass, which is just – it's such a special dynamic. And there's really no way for like 95% of FCS teams to slow these attacks down. But – both these defenses are good enough that they actually cancel the opposing offense down, which is just another aspect of why this game is absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun, fun game. But someone has to win, someone has to lose. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into it right away. You wrote a piece on three keys to the game today. What are some of the keys that you think? I think because the teams are so good that the keys are incredibly basic, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that normally when you look at like JMU, you'll be like, all right, I absolutely love these wide receivers against, you know, so-and-so secondary, like Stony Brook secondary or Rhode Island. Yeah. You love JMU to be able to run the ball down their throat. Uh, This isn't really that kind of game. So I think like turnovers are going to be huge. And that's been JMU when they lose, that's been their Achilles heel. And that, you know, is the same for 99% of football teams. Uh, But they do struggle occasionally with turnovers and their worst performances this year. You look at the West Virginia game and you look at the Stony Brook game, turnovers were really the reason why those performances were poor. So I think turnovers are huge, especially for JMU. And then you look at just the line of scrimmage on both ends, which side is going to be able to create more push. That was my second key. And then my third key, I, I think, was the deep pass because mm-hmm. both players have really good skill players. And in a game that I think will probably be close and probably be, I don't know if either team's going to hit 30 points, honestly. So I think in that kind of game, if you're able to hit one or two 40-plus yard chunk plays that really change the complexion of a game, those will be huge as well. So, I mean, for me, it's just the basic stuff. Can you hit the deep passes? Can you, you know, make those chunk plays and create turnovers and, and win the line of scrimmage? It's it's basic stuff, but the teams yeah. execute so well that it's going to be fascinating. It's what each of these teams have done for the majority of the season. Like what mm-hmm. Coach Mike Houston used to say in his pregame speeches of dominate the point of contact, you, yes. w- you win and lose the games in the trenches. Both of these teams know that. And that's, there's going to be so much just mauling of each other in those trenches. And I think we're going to see so many runs of two yards, but I think both coaches are going to be so, what'd you just crack open? <laughs> oh, a soda, sir. <laughs> <laughs> both, both coaches are going to be so like, hell-bent on getting the run going and Snappy. just, like, using it to just pound each other. Like, I, I lost my train of thought because of that. Uh, that Is it really a soda? 
No. <laughs> it is a three notch forty mile IPA. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I do not have to wake up early tomorrow, so I'm gonna have myself a beer during the podcast. <laughs> Professionalism. I'm, I'm having myself a glass of wine, so perfect. Hell yeah, man. If we I get really that. slurred speech at the end, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you about the bias. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I mean, yeah, the line of scrimmage and dominating the trenches is huge. I think the most important key that you brought up was definitely the turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, someone brought it up on Twitter that in the three games they've played in the last couple of years, JMU has it been no two games they've played. Uh, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, yeah, yeah. In those two games, JMU's only forced one turnover, and. That's going to be huge come Saturday because if JMU I, – I don't think JMU can win this game if they don't force at least one turnover. Mm-hmm. I think they need to steal a possession or two and, and get points off of those turnovers just because North Dakota State's not going to make mistakes. JMU really isn't going to make mistakes, so you have to force their hand. I think Trey Lance, you really have to – I, I mean, you say this. He hasn't thrown a single pick this year, but it might also be Which because... Which is insane. You know what else is insane? His offensive line allows less than one sack a game. That's nuts. Like, so he's just not getting pressure. So maybe maybe things change when if Rondell and John Daka can get to the quarterback and cause a little bit of pressure and make things a little uncomfortable for him. Mm-hmm. Maybe he starts to, to throw some bad balls. Maybe he throws to, starts to try to force it into windows that maybe aren't there. But probably not because he hasn't thrown a single pick this season. Um, but yeah, turnovers are just such a huge thing for both teams. Whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win the game. Yeah, and it's. I mean, what Trey Lance is able to do as a passer and as a runner is just. Um, I mean, it's unbelievable. He's such a talented player. As a player, he's just so freaking good. I mean, he has twenty eight touchdown passes and no interceptions. Like he doesn't throw the ball a ton. So that's part of it. He's averaging 180 yards passing per game. They don't throw it a lot. And some of the stuff they do is is short, quick passing. And he's mobile, which makes it so hard to sack him, like you mentioned. But 28 touchdowns and no interceptions. I don't care if you're yeah. like a seven-year-old kid playing flag football. That's ridiculous. Like, that's that's scary. Like, I don't even know what to compare that to because that, that's just – that shouldn't happen. No, I mean, it's it's really remarkable what he's been able to do and – He's so good, and stopping him is going to be a key because he's also just below. I think he needs 66 yards to get 1,000 rushing yards on the season, right? So the guy can run at a really high level. He throws the ball tremendously. I mean, from what I've seen, his efficiency, I think there's a legitimate case, and I think that he is, at this point, worthy of being the Walter Payton Award winner as the best player in the country. He's just a, a freshman. Yeah, he's going to be scary for years to come, and that's what's scary about this North Dakota State team. Yes. I mean – what they have Trey Lance now for three more years after this year. JMU has a question mark sitting at their quarterback spot. And who knows? I think it's more likely that they get a transfer in to start next year than they do with someone on their roster currently. Wow. Mr. Hot Take. <laughs> Fascinating. I think that's that's not a, a terrible thought. You know, I think Cole Johnson's been around for a while and hasn't been able to win the starting job. And then you've got Gage Maloney, who I think is a pretty good talent too, but They've had success bringing in some transfers. I know Brian Short transferred from Lackawanna College, so that's not really the same as um, some of these like FBS transfers. But they brought him yeah. in badly. Obviously, that was a transfer from the FBS. Connor level. Mitch. Connor Mitch was uh, he had a long lasting legacy involving thumb injuries. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord, Connor Mitch quarterback battle rages on. <laughs> 
Portuguese Louise. No, but I think that, that would certainly be interesting. And I guess to segue into the transfer conversation, there's been a lot of talk, um, most of it from like salty NDSU fans sort of disparaging JMU's transfers. I don't, I don't think anyone, you know, realistically who can think logically actually thinks there's an issue with bringing in transfers, especially when they help your team and they're good in the locker room. But what are your thoughts on JMU? How sustainable is it, do you think, to be able to, I guess, rely on transfers? I know that they have so many talented players they've recruited on their own but yeah. a lot of these guys very much matter to the success of the team yeah I mean, and you look at Rondell he's the the cornerstone to that mm-hmm. defense John Daka though is a guy that they recruited and brought in from high school like mm-hmm. to look at on the other side Ben DiNucci is a fantastic quarterback and is a darn good leader of that offense but then you look behind him Percy was a recruit out of high school uh, Latrell Palmer was Solomon Van Horse was a walk on. They didn't even recruit him. Um, and CJ Jackson, who hasn't even seen the field. Like, mm-hmm. and then you look Riley Stapleton was homegrown. Um, everyone three through five on the wide receiving depth chart is homegrown. Um, majority of the offensive line is homegrown. So, I mean, I understand what they're saying, but I also just don't think it's, it's terrible for Jamie to rely on it. Um, and and it, it's just part of the game. Like, transfers are going to come in, and it's not a problem to rely on them. You rely on, rely on your best player. If your best player was a zero-star recruit out of South Alabama, that's who you're going to rely on type of thing. That's who you got into your program, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think if, if Jamie doesn't add transfers, um, a lot of these guys are transfers that have been there for multiple years. So let's say Jamie yeah. doesn't, doesn't do that, and you add in just replacement in their place, I still think they're probably a national championship caliber team this season. Obviously the quarterback play would be a little bit more of a question, but you look at the running backs, they're loaded offensive line. They're loaded Riley Stapleton. We haven't seen a ton of like Kendall Dean and Jake Brown at times this year, but they're really good, right? They're really good. And so is Ravenel. Yeah, exactly. So they're loaded with guys on both sides. I mean, you look at Dimitri Holloway um, and if Rondell Carter, let's say that he didn't transfer in, they still have doc on the one side. I'm sure they'd find somebody solid. On the other side, I'm not saying they would be, you know, first team unanimous All American kind of yeah. player, but I still think there's so much talent there and so much depth that even without some of these transfers, the Dukes are still really good. But then when you add them in, they take this team and this program to a whole nother level. So I think that it's it is probably sustainable just because they don't necessarily need them. They it's a just a beneficial fit for both parties. And I don't I don't really see a future where that that won't be a beneficial fit for both parties. Yeah, and I think the kind of conversation on transfers and the the implementation of the transfer portal across college athletics mm-hmm. has kind of taken a bad turn where we're like we're demonizing these student athletes who are deciding that maybe school 1 wasn't right for them but school 2 will be right for them and in no other like no other career path do we do we get mad at people for doing that or even other students who decide to transfer from their first school to their second school, maybe because of fit and things like that. But in the NFL, we don't get mad at free agents for going to other teams within your career paths. You don't get mad for someone leaving one corporation to go to another corporation to, for a better job and better opportunities. I just think this whole transfer talk is, is kind of crazy and, and it kind of demonizes the student athlete, which I think it's the last thing that should be done in in college athletics. It's so insane. That's a great point. It's just insane where people are like, 
when a coach jumps ship for an opportunity that's better, that pays better. And Everyone applauds him and yeah. says, "Go, good, good for you. But when a student jumps ship, like Jalen Hurts, like last season, not everyone was quick to attack him on it, but people attacked him for leaving Alabama to go from being a backup to going to be a Heisman hopeful and leading a team to the college football playoffs. Like I, but if Nick Saban had left Alabama to go to Oklahoma, everyone would have said, what a great job, like how great of him type of thing. It's so weird too. Cause I feel like hurts compared to a lot of them would got a pretty good treatment. Cause he did stay the one year as the backup. Yeah. So people respected the heck out of that. They're like, Oh, he's not a quitter. And then he transferred and people didn't really, at least for a lot of people didn't care. Cause they're like, Oh, well, he stayed the one year. So he stuck it out. But then you look at like Justin Fields at Ohio State, who left Georgia after one year, and people were like, "And oh. Burrow, yeah." They're like, "Oh, just couldn't good and hang in there." And it was like, "Well, yeah, not not good enough to 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 take over the starting job, right?" <laughs> right. And then Fields is you know one of the best players of the country, and and Burrow ended up winning the Heisman. So I don't know. I think that sometimes you got to let the the kids do. I think three of the four Heisman finalists were transfers. So like, yeah, at some point, you know, let people do what they need to do to get in the right fit. It's worked out well for JMU. It's worked out well for the players and. I mean, some of these guys, some of the transfers have legitimate NFL futures. I think Polk's a guy that could try to make a roster. I think Carter's a guy that legitimately has a chance to make a roster. Um, Danucci, I'm sure, will have a tryout or something like that. And yeah. if they stay at their schools, I'm not sure they have those opportunities. Oh, I 100% agree. I mean, you was it, a, it was either a, a video with Rondell about it or a feature piece on him where he was kind of explaining, like, he almost gave up football at Rutgers. Yeah. And – coming to JMU was like the second breath into his football career. And like, why should we hold that against him for transferring? I don't know. I think NDSU also is kind of in a different spot because they're recruiting a very different group of people. They're recruiting a very different geographical area in terms of, I would say half of the guys they recruit if they were in Virginia would be on FBS rosters. But because there's not a lot of FBS schools around them, I, I believe North Dakota State has the ability to kind of poach them, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. And then, I mean, Minnesota, too, where they've grabbed a lot of Minnesota kids, if I'm not mistaken. Minnesota's had a lot of down years. Yeah, um, exactly. That I think for many years, um, you know, players would probably opt for North Dakota State over Minnesota. I think maybe that's changing a little bit now when you look at the, the year that Minnesota just had with what P.J. Yeah. Fleck has done. So we'll see how that Change recruiting at all. But, yeah, you look at North Dakota State, they're a premier college football program, FBS, FCS, whatever, with what they've been able to do with the players they've been able to put in the NFL. I mean, a good deal, especially at the quarterback position recently with um, Carson Wentz and then Easton Stick is, I think he's on the Chargers roster. Yeah. You look at Trey Lance. Trey Lance, I'd be surprised, you know, if he doesn't end up on an NFL roster a few years from now. So if you're a recruit and you see what – and you're from the Midwest, you see what North Dakota State does, you see that you can play – professionally and win national championships at the FCS level. I don't know why you, you know, wouldn't consider it. So it's a little bit different than JMU where you've got, you know, Virginia and Virginia tech alone, just in the state. Um, a lot of competitive schools in the area, North Carolina region, stuff like that, Maryland. Um, so it can be a little bit, I don't want to say it's necessarily more competitive, but maybe there are more schools. No, it, it's You can say more competitive. I mean, there's so many more schools competing for one player. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a little tougher in that sort of an area where, JMU, a lot of times they recruit these kids and then they commit to an FBS school. Yeah. It doesn't work out at the FBS school and they're like, hey, I've got a relationship with this this team, these coaches, this, you know, sort of university already. 
Yeah. And then they, they kind of come down to Harrisonburg or up or wherever they're from. And it works out. So, I mean, I think when you're in a competitive recruiting area, it becomes a challenge and you're able to add these players and it works out for everyone. It's awesome. And it's made JMU a really elite FCS program. Something like, I don't think JMU is where it is today. A bad lead doesn't come in oh, and help really lift the team up. And then you also look at Danucci. I don't know if they're, I think they'd probably be a really good team this year, but I think Polk and Danucci and Rondell Carter, they make JMU, JMU. A, national, a national title favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And my kind of last point on this transfers thing, I, there was a lot of talk of like, does it affect culture and things like that? With Ben Danucci, with him transferring to JMU, he wasn't even guaranteed a spot on the roster. Right. So, I mean, it's not like JMU's going out and saying, <laughs> we're going to flip over our entire roster for you. It's if you want to come here, you're going to have to work just as hard as everyone else on the roster. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, people don't discuss that a lot. They assume that JMU brings in all these transfers that work out. And then just like you mentioned, Connor Mitch. Like, oh, yeah, Connor Mitch was a was a, a fiery ball of fire. <laughs> he was a fiery <laughs> ball of fire. He was so talented coming out of high school. South Carolina did some good things. And then comes in, and Brian Shore just beat him for the job. Like, it was flat out the guy that JMU recruited. I guess he transferred from the JUCO. But the guy that JMU recruited for a while, he came out, came early, and um, was just a better player. So I don't, I don't know that um, – the transfers, like you're saying, JMU doesn't doesn't say, hey, and you're going to start immediately. That's not what happens. Yeah, and look at Paris Black. Uh, wait, what, Wake Forest transfer? Yeah. He's no longer with the team anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. if, they're, if they don't fit the team, it's not like JMU is bending over backwards for these quote-unquote players that are better because I'd argue half the time an FCS player is a better talent or better athlete than an FBS player, but they're just two inches shorter. Yeah, I mean, you can look at a lot of different things. I mean, Rondell Carter and John Daka are both unbelievably talented. If we're talking about pure athleticism, I think Daka is the better athlete, right? Yeah. I mean, he's just so explosive off the ball. I think Carter's more, a little bit more versatile and can play defensive tackle at times if needed at the FCS level. But still, it's just crazy. I mean, some of these guys, like, <laughs> you've watched Riley Stapleton play. Nobody watches him play and is like, oh, FCS player. I mean, like, yeah. he's a good football player. <laughs> He's tall. He's quick. He has hands. Like, right. I mean, his ability to catch jump balls is ridiculous. He blocks <laughs> downfield better than any receiver I've seen at the FCS level in years. So, I don't know. There's really good players on this team. And, and then you add in players. We don't even talk about, like, Wayne Davis, an Ohio State transfer. I forgot about him. does everything. <laughs> so, I mean, it is valuable to have these transfers. But, I mean, Wayne Davis is a guy that's from Virginia, and I'm sure – um, Jamie, you probably looked at him coming out of high school and he's, I mean, you got a chance to play at Ohio state. Of course, he's going to try yeah. to take that opportunity. So yeah. I don't know. I think it's, it's, if anything, I think it's probably good for the FCS to get some of these guys there. And I yeah, think they help, the, yeah. yeah, help build the brand. And I was listening to the hero sports live stream before we came on and they talked about how this national championship game is going to be on ABC at noon. And there are going to be a lot of fans watching. You do not normally watch FCS football. <laughs> and it, this is great. Like this is the, best matchup they could possibly want. I think this is going to do a lot for the subdivision, and I think the JMU transfers help with that. Yeah, without a doubt. There's no natural segue to this next topic. No, I put together a weird outline and figured we would just rant and move along. But <laughs> uh, well, hopefully people make it through this because they're just craving content. But I figured we'd pick like four or five topics and just ramble. But, but we, 
we are hitting it. There's a couple questions in this in this part of the outline for everyone listening, and no one else except for me and Bennett can see this outline. Yes, but he made a dynasty part with a couple questions. Mm-hmm. One, does a loss end the NDSU dynasty? People consider JMU and NDSU the Clemson and Alabama of the SCS. Is it accurate? And JMU is on the verge. Is JMU on the verge of overtaking the Bison? Or is NDSU still going to be the program to beat for years to come? I kind of want to hit all of these questions because I love them all. Starting with does a loss end the NDSU dynasty? Do you think so? No. Okay. Yeah, neither <laughs> no, do I. I don't think anywhere yeah, I, near it. Like the Patriots lost a few Super Bowls in their run, but man, was that a dynasty. And NDSU really hasn't. Yeah. I put this, I put two question marks on this for those at home listening uh, to really pique Jack's interest just so he'd be like, wait a second. Does he yeah, think it, this is happening? It caught my attention. I was like, does he <laughs> think that if NDSU loses this game, that their dynasty is, is over? No. When they have got... Trey Lance for three more years? Yep. That was, was going <laughs> to be my point is that I think this is probably the year that North Coast State is going to be most vulnerable. And I think you really want to get him now just because with Trey Lance there, I don't care what else they have around him. If he's there the next couple of years, they're going to be really good. Yeah. And quickly moving on, do, do you consider JMU and NDSU the Clemson, Alabama? So this was interesting because I think Cignetti... – And if so, who is which? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I think that um, Signetti alluded to this, but somebody kind of asked a question in a press conference about, like, if it was a rivalry, and he sort of said, like, is Clemson and Alabama a rivalry? Um, I think it's close to that. I think it's close to that. My thing, though, is that JMU, they've got, what, one national championship this – in the last decade, right? They got the one since 2004. So they won in 2004, 2016, yeah. lost to North Dakota State in 2017, didn't even really get close in 2018. I think if they win, if JMU wins, yeah, then yeah, I think that's fair. Otherwise, I think JMU is just a really good contender that keeps getting there. But you've got to, if you want to be Clemson, Alabama, you have to have multiple national championships in a, in a pretty short span. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if anything, North Dakota State's Clemson. Um, and JMU is Alabama this year. Mm-hmm. Just kind of that type of thing. But, yeah, you're right. If JMU wins this year, they are that rivalry for the FCS. But if they lose this year, it's just JMU's kind of the annoying annoying nephew you have at Thanksgiving that's always asking you to hang out and play football out in the front yard with you. Um, and right. you know you're going to beat every time. Um, but they keep coming back. They keep, <laughs> keep getting there. And it's also a, a tough question, too, because Clemson and Alabama are, like, weirdly flip-flopping right now. Where, like, five years ago, Alabama was, oh, like, yeah. boom. But then now Clemson's kind of, like, you know, the premier program. And Alabama didn't even make the playoffs. Right. So I think that it, it's flip-flopping a little bit, which makes it hard to be, like, who is who and all that stuff. But I also think that if JMU had won in 2017, even if they had did what they did last year, this would be so <laughs> – interesting because they would have 2016 2017 a gap of 2018 ndsu and then this one where it's like if jmu could have three and four yeah I years think, i think uh, if jmu I, I realized we both did that awkward pause at the same time <laughs> if jmu had won in 2017 i think that question of does this end the ndsu dynasty if mm-hmm. JMU won 2016-17, mm-hmm. Gap 18 won this year, I think that would end the NDSU dynasty and would start the JMU dynasty. But because of losing in 17, that terrible year last year, losing in the second round, 
and now getting back. I think this is kind of the reset button. And JMU could start their dynasty alongside NDSU's dynasty. But JMU needs to win this and then another and then another and then another and then another type of thing. You know what I'm saying? I've said that a lot this uh, podcast. No, you're right. Um, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. I think that there's a lot of like what ifs in JMU's situation. Um, at the end of the day, if you want to be a dynasty or you want to consider yourself a Clemson or Alabama of the FCS, you just need to win national championships. And they've made two or I guess three now in the last four years. Um, we'll see what the result is. If you're one and two in those games, that, that hurts a little bit. If you're two and one, I think that adds a lot to it. So it's a big game for JMU. I think it carries a lot more weight for the Dukes than it does the Bison. Yeah. Um, not internally, I think North Dakota State fans and the players, obviously this means a ton to them. But like if North Dakota State loses this game, they return Trey Lance and a bunch of other really good players yeah. next year. Uh, if JMU loses this game, they'll have a new quarterback. Um, they'll have to replace, you know, Brandon Polk, who's been huge this year, Rondell Carter, um, John Daka, right? A lot of different guys yep. are, will be leaving. So the, some I of mean, the transfer and the Stapleton too, right? I mean, you lose twenty what twenty one starters, I think, are leaving. That seems high. It probably is high. I thought, don't they have twenty one? Keep. I think they had twenty. They had twenty one return. Oh, oh, oh. But I don't. Okay. I don't think all the current starters are seniors. Sorry. Like I don't think twenty one of twenty two are seniors. It's got to be a lot. I'm looking though, it right? up now. Keep talking while I figure this out. I bet it's double digits starters. It's got to be. So it's a decent chunk of players, um, for sure. I know they get the defensive tackles back. They'll get um, some secondary guys back. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, they'll get some guys back. But but it's a pretty big blow for the most part. They've got good depth behind, but I think is going to take a step back next season. I still think they'll have a chance to make the national championship game and really be a competitive team just because of the depth, the talent the fact that I think they're going to bring in a, a good recruiting class that can add value. And there are a lot of like freshmen and sophomores on this team that we haven't talked about that are really yeah. good football players. So they'll be a good football team, but this is kind of the time to get the Bison just because they're going to reload every single year. And I think North Dakota State's going to be better next year. So they have so. 12 starters graduating, 16 seniors in total. Okay. That's, I mean, that's a big block. And all of those starters were like, were, yes. I'll just, here, let's name them. Jahi Jackson, um, Riley Stapleton, Ben DiNucci, Rondell Carter, Brandon Polk, Dimitri Holiday, Rashad Robinson, Dylan Stapleton, Mac Patrick, Landon Word, Adam Smith, not counting, but a very pivotal player, Bryce McGinley and John Daka. That's a, That's a lot, lot of really good talent. But, yeah, yeah this this – this game means so much more in terms of like underlying storylines to JMU than it does to North Dakota state. For sure. So I'll flip this to you. If JMU does win this game, what do you think that means for the program moving forward? Does that sort of start a changing of the guard or we still, I know we talked about the dynasty not ending, but do you think that puts JMU closer to the same category as the Bison? What does it really mean if JMU wins? I don't think it means that much if they don't follow it up with a good performance again next year. Um, mm-hmm. Like you see flashes in the pan and I know coming to a national championship three of four years is fantastic and it, it's hardly ever done, but to un unseat the bison, you have to do a lot more than that. And I think last year was kind of a huge hiccup because that never happened in NDSU's dynasty. 
And I also know comparing it to NDSU's dynasty is, is foolish because no one else will ever do that again. And we will never see that in the modern era of sports. And they're continuing this dynasty and they will continue it for a long time. Um, but I think a win on Saturday means that JMU is, is taking the first step in what is needed to kind of become the, the 1A to NDSU. We all know that this season and in 2016 and 17, NDSU and JMU were 1A and 1B. But historically, North Dakota State is 1. There's a huge gap, and I don't even know if JMU is 2 if you look at the last 20 years since the 2000s. Um, and because of that, I think a win to JMU means that they're stepping in the right direction, but they need to do a lot more in the coming years to really put it home. If JMU wins this game, they're better than North Dakota State has ever been. All right. Bookmark ducks it. From, Stamp ducks it. from moron drunks. Um, what else were we called? <laughs> clown. We got some <laughs> clown comments. Somebody said I should – hold on. There's a good – let me find – Yeah, read some of these comments of what there are 23 comments in in reference to all those listening this is comments to bennett's um tongue-in-cheek post about the dukes having a better decade the 2010s than the bison (laughs) these are amazing somebody said it's embarrassing embarrassing to be fellow fans of jmu with you guys (laughs) There is a response. This is the dumbest FCS article written in the last 10 years. This is from Gary. Um, good to know that there is a dumber one outside of that 10-year span. That makes me feel a little bit better. I regret the time I wasted reading this drivel indoors. That's it. Please, for the love of God, change careers. That's amazing. Oh, my goodness. Somebody, geez, these Jamie Press are clowns, not the fans, but the Jamie Press are pretty dead. The fans I love dead. how they think we're press. That's also amazing. <laughs> Somebody says, the fact that NDSU plays inside means nothing. They've got it done in sub-zero attempts, you're a clown. And then they also added the clown emoji in case I wasn't sure. Like, what I will be honest, though. I don't know. Playing indoors. You, <laughs> that is my favorite one. I love I love that I put the playing indoors because there are legitimately some people that are like, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of feel like that one's legit. What <laughs> what did like, you oh. put that oh you wrote I I'm gonna try to find it while you keep reading some of these comments. Someone else, let's see. Someone said they were a father of two JMU grads. But a grad of NDSU. But a grad of NDSU. And they're like, you're probably a good politician because you've really spun this factual data. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> some people some people enjoyed it, but. How you were saying that Chris only every coach who had won a national title in the 2010s was named Chris and Craig, except for one named Mike. And you were like, interestingly, NDSU has only had Chris and Craig coaches. So clearly, yeah. that was one of my favorite <laughs> lines. Interestingly, <laughs> most... Oh, somebody gave me a long thing about the calendar. That was my favorite, though, morning. because it was very satirical, like, response. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you really missed the mark because <laughs> actually the decade started in 2011. Through 2020. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Oh man, I didn't see a lot of these yet. 
These are good. C. Erickson, right, cool. my favorite. Bare knuckles, big boys, and tons of talent in both sides. Set up to be one off Hennessy ever. <laughs> I think maybe C. Erickson would have some Hennessy from that comment. Goodness. Oh, man. This is going to be fun, though. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this game. I enjoyed the trash talk. I mean, this is just, oh, I love this week. I love this week. And I thought that 2017, I almost enjoyed that week and that build up more just because 2016, Youngstown State sort of snuck in on like a nonsensical catch on the yeah, back dear, of an that was Washington a player. Play. But I know, I think 2016, I was more hyped for than 2017. Really? Just because 2016 was hype. But like once they won, the game was kind of a yeah. Minute. But yo, know, I mean, that's yeah. The buildup probably because I went in. Well, you went to 2016 too, but I went to 2016 yeah. as a fan and just like uh-huh. buying the tickets and getting ready and going to Reagan and and jumping on my flight, getting to Dallas Fort Worth, getting to my Airbnb with all my friends, like, and just that weekend and week leading up was just so much fun and excitement because we had we. We had never experienced that because in 2004, right. what, I was seven. I didn't even know JMU was a school. And like from 2016, I'm going to. I didn't know JMU <laughs> was a school until like 2012. <laughs> but no, like exactly. So like that first time, or like there's nothing that beats the first time. And I just realized how sexual things can sound when we're talking football. You, it's, it's You keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> for those listening, he's done this all week. He'll like text me and be like, JMU and man, this North Dakota State game is going to be a pounded out. Who can pound each other harder? And he's like, wow, this is sexual. I'm like, well, if you look at it like that, my goodness. What did you just say? I said nothing's better than the first time. <laughs> uh, there's nothing like popping the cherry when it comes to watching these games. Right? Should we put a... Uh... Uh, viewer discretion is advised at the beginning of this episode. We might have. Yeah, once to. you get to the once you get to the forty fifth minute, when Jack gets aroused by talking about the offensive line. Oh my god! But to me, twenty sixteen was just so much fun. <laughs> I'm glad you stopped yourself though, because right when you said "I was for the first time," I was like, "Whoa." But why was 2017 oh better? For, the game itself was better in 2017. I thought the game was better. Well, and I was just like so excited for that battle between those teams. And JMU had the big streak going. Like I like if I was at that game, I think that game would have been. Do you cooler. remember last season? I mean, in 2017 when they banned streamers. That was dumb. They're still banned. They are because they're like illegal in NCAA play. But yeah, nothing more dangerous than a like a glorified toilet nothing paper. like snowballs being thrown at the players ah oh, colgate absolute nonsense throwback <laughs> throwback what a difference a year makes no honestly though like this is a completely different team than last year and it's a majority of the same guys just a year older they have matured and they are now and Danucci doesn't throw interceptions anymore i've been a believer since day well, 1 Trey Lance literally doesn't yeah. throw <laughs> Absolutely crazy. I am just I'm stoked for this game. I think it has a chance to be legendary. And my emotional well being will be determined Saturday by Oh, one hundred and ten percent. I have a two leg parlay going on this game. Um it my my sanity will be 
in the hands of JMU and the Seattle Seahawks come Sunday night. Um, oh, it's a two-day thing. Yeah, it first. is. Um, I, I did take JMU minus one rather than just the straight money line because my odds were better at minus one. By odds better, I mean I could win more money by betting the minus one. So I just hope they don't push. It's a pick them though. It. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if I'm I'm looking now to see what the line's like. You should have waited. I was going to, but then I just didn't. (laughs) Well, (laughs) right then, can't argue with that. This is, this is a pretty fascinating. What makes it so fascinating to you? I just. I love that I have absolutely – okay, so I guess my main thing is, like, I thought JMU would probably lose the West Virginia game. Um, I thought they would have a chance to win, but I thought they'd probably lose. I thought they would win every single other game this season. So, like, for the most part, I've what I've expected has happened. I have absolutely no idea who's going to win this game on Saturday. Do, That's what's so fascinating. Do you think you'll know at some point in the game, or do you think it'll kind of come? Oh, yeah, like when the clock hits zero. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I Ask me then, and I hope it doesn't go to overtime. (laughs) I will. If it goes to overtime and, like, bleeds into the Virginia-Syracuse basketball game, I'm not going to do any work. Jamie was still minus 1.5 favorites. Um, Okay. So minus one might be a good little money line. North Dakota State's at plus 100. That's some pretty the, value, man. If I wasn't, if I wasn't the a fan, over that. under has moved down to forty nine. Here, it was like over fifty. It was, but this here's week. the thing: I think hit the over on that. Really, you like the over on that? I think it'll come down to it, but I think this final score is going to be twenty four twenty seven. I really? do. I but but I don't think it'll feel like that type. I, I realized AP style. I didn't say that correctly. 27-24. Um, Who wins? JMU, of course. But I, I don't think it'll feel like that type of score. Like, you know those games where you're watching and you're like, yes. wait, what? You're like, it's what? like I felt like yeah. we've just been hitting heads all game. I think there'll be a couple chunk plays in there that, like, all of a sudden open it up and we'll only see, like, four chunk plays by both teams combined. Here's a good sign. Guess what my score prediction was in the newsletter? 27-24? 27-24 JMU. <laughs> is that what you're sticking with on the podcast? I have to. I forgot what it was, so I had to look it up. <laughs> it was 27-24. I think this is going to be close. I think this is going to come down to which team can generate the most safeties. I hate that take because mathematically that doesn't <laughs> add up with what your guess is. I think JMU will get seven <laughs> safeties and then they'll score 13 other points. And then I think North Dakota State will get 12 safeties, totaling 24. What's your crazy premonition for this game? I would say that. The safety, no. Um, <laughs> definitely the safety. A thing. serious crazy premonition. <laughs> I don't know if this is crazy, but I do think Trey Lance is going to throw yeah. an interception. Okay. We're on the same page. I'm going to take mine a step further and say he throws a pick six that ends up costing the bice in the game. Wow. Wouldn't well, I just feel like the football oh. gods, it comes down to that. I just started thinking about them losing. JMU losing? Oh, God. Oh, God. I hadn't thought well, about there's that. There's a very <laughs> good chance. There's a 50% chance JMU loses this game. I need Danucci to go out there and ball out. I need him to focus on who he is as a person and just have fun with it. 
Because if he has five, I, I do think, team, right? I do sure. think if JMU turns the ball over, we said it earlier, if they lose this turnover battle, even if they lose it two to one, I think JMU loses this game. See, I think they can be a little closer. I think if they lose it like by one, I still think they can win. Just I think they, I think they, I, think they I do think they're win. a slightly I think better JMU team. can win if they lose it, but I, I think, think they'll, they'll lose. lose. Like I, I just think it'll kind of come down to how the end of the 2017 game was, where they have a shot late but they just can't convert. I think that's what might happen if they lose the turnover battle two to one. If they win it two to one or they win it one to zero, I think it's flipped, and I think they're the ones with the lead late. Well, they'd have to be if I think they win. This is just amazing. I'm so excited. Man, this is going to be so good. Turnovers matter. The line of scrimmage matters. Both quarterbacks are unbelievable. You've got Phoenix Sproles and Christian Watson on the outside from North Dakota State against Brandon Bolt and Riley Staples. you got Jabril Cox, a linebacker. You got, oh, he's good, man. He's NFL good. Another linebacker has 110 tackles this season. What? He has 110? I don't even know. Who is this guy? I think Who's his name is Jack Hankey. Oh, Jack Hankey. Are you, I'm, I hear you. I hear your little fingers. It looks like Jackson. Oh, Jackson Hankey. Jackson Hankey, linebacker from Park River, North 110 Dakota. tackles. Does he look like a sophomore or not? No, he's got real. He looks like his his <laughs> his picture looks like a twenty eight year old. Oh, and he's gotten better. He didn't have ten tackles in any game until coming. Yeah, until the November twenty third, and he's had three out of his last four games have been ten tackles. The one that wasn't was nine against yeah, Montana good. State. Very good player coming into his own. Oof! How many does Holloway have? I'm gonna look it up. You take a you guess. I'll find the number. 122. I'm looking, it's loading. Do you say seven? What does that mean for the game? <laughs> Maybe it means Jamie will possess the ball for a long period of time. If listeners, if you've made it this far, good for you. Yeah, congratulations. Damn, I was close. I was oh, one fifteen. He slowed down at the end of the year. Oh, he got hurt in the Weaver State game. Oh, yeah, he did. But yeah, I, I mean, when you have fine. 14 like, years to prepare for a game, you better be fine. That's why he only had four tackles. Otherwise, he could have gotten close to your number. He would have had my Man, this is going to be going. No, he wouldn't have. He would have needed a lot more. A lot. But still. All right, so we've got our score, both of us, 27-24 Yeah, that's, that's a good sign. Anything else you want to add on this podcast? So excited for this game! I'm really looking forward to this game. Uh, anything out there we need to read? I know there hasn't really been. <laughs> I feel like. So I, what were you about to say? Because it might have been the exact same thing I was going to say. They're all like getting there. This we're recording this Wednesday night. They're all like getting there tonight. So we have almost nothing. I also feel like there hasn't been a lot of like just written content coming out. Like, like from Greg. Mad- like I'm not trying to call anyone out. He said he's had a yeah, little but bit. like compared to other years, I just feel like. I just feel like there's more. Like in yeah, 2016 and 17, like I felt like there was a constant barrage of like 
things being said and things like that. But it also might be the way Signetti's just handled this, where he's been a little bit more closed off to the media and hasn't allowed as many mm-hmm. things to come out. But I don't know. I feel like I was just intaking so much more content the last two trips than this one. I'm hoping the Breeze people give me some give me some more here. They come. They've only had two since January, so they get in. I think they get in tonight, and then I'm hoping they'll crank out some stuff tomorrow. Cause that's that probably factors in a little bit. You got them, and then Greg Badia. I guess those are really the two main. Well, sources, I, I right? take that back. Greg has actually had a lot of stuff. I'm scrolling through now. He's yeah, had, yeah, he's had some. Yeah. But I think some of it too is like I really like the stuff when they're actually there. Yeah. And they're like talking to the mayor, and they have like I don't know just more of that atmosphere stuff. You'll have pictures from Frisco. That kind of stuff to me really helps me set the stage when I'm looking at like photo galleries from Frisco and I'm like reading articles about what the players are saying there two, three days before the game. That's the stuff that I love. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the next couple of days when they really dive in and we've actually, I just can't wait for Saturday when they kick off and, and they just start and they start getting, I was going to start pounding it out, but, Pounding it out because there's nothing like the first time. Pound it out, man. Uh, there's nothing, nothing better than that. That feeling of pure pleasure when you're out there. It out. So, funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's sexual when you say that. Yes. Someone called yep. us out early in the year when we said how much we loved Danucci's. Never mind. <laughs> I remember that. I'll hold that one in. Anything else to add? Yeah, uh, big game tomorrow night. JMU men's basketball plays Delaware on poultry Are night. Are we really talking about men's basketball on this this podcast dedicated to winning? <laughs> All right, JMU women's Thank basketball you. has been rolling, and keep an eye on them this season. I don't think they play Friday, but they play Sunday. They look very good. They're 11-2, won six in a row. Keep an eye on the Lady Dukes because they're And legit. next week, it may be an all-football one again. I don't know, but then the – yeah, we'll probably we'll probably have to do a recap in football. Yeah, right? and then the week after that, we'll probably talk all football again just to gear up for no. <laughs> um, we'll probably do a recap next week with sprinkled in a little bit more basketball, and then the week after that, it's going to be all basketball, all go. Yeah, and then we may have to slide or every other thing again. Oh, every other week, if if we want. What do you think? Um, I don't think this is a conversation we need to have with our fellow listeners. <laughs> no, I think we do. I think they well, need let us to know. Listeners, let us know. Which yeah, would you actually. rather have? And, and when it comes down to basketball season, would you rather have us every week, every like Wednesday to recap the previous weekends and to preview the upcoming weekend's games? Yeah. Or would you prefer us every other week just more of a recap of what we've seen and kind of an armchair coach type of thing? Let us know on Twitter. Let us know. Email. You can email us at jmusportsnews at gmail.com. Um, but, yeah, let us know about that. Uh, let us know if you want to see anything specific on podcasts, if you want to see let anything specific know. on our Twitter. Let us know. Please talk to us because we don't know how great we are unless you talk to us. Yes. So keep us posted because we're trying to make sure that you are – yeah, try to sound a little more formulaic on that one. <laughs> we want to make sure. Um, you were and you confused. can do all of that by following us over on Twitter at JMU Sports News. Uh, on Facebook, typing in JMU Sports News in the search bar. 
checking us out over on Patreon, even though we put nothing up there. Um, and <laughs> our website, www.jmusportsnews.com. And if you make it to the end, we would love to know. We get we average about 88 listeners per episode, and we want to know Whoa. where we lose you guys. Is it when we start rambling? <laughs> we, should, we should work the Yeah, end we earlier. really should. Have we lost? <laughs> At the end, we have our two listeners who've made it through to the end. But we would love to know, um, do you prefer our rambles? Is This is New Year, new podcast. Maybe we really should have started with this. Maybe I'll cut it and put it at the beginning. But... Or maybe I'll just record a a sound bite to put at the beginning. Uh, Yeah, that's Um, a good idea. But yeah, so follow us. It's Natty Week. It's Game Week. It's a big week. Jamie's going to win 27-24 just because Bennett and I both said it. And unfortunately, Justin Bieber has confirmed that he's been diagnosed with Lyme disease. (laughs) Did he just do that? What? I'm confused. Um... And if you need to hear more of Bennett's sultry voice, go to KFGO, um, and you can listen to him talk about his article that blew up on NDSU. Oh, yeah. I was on a Fargo radio station. Oh, yeah. Right there. Lime. He's been done. That's sad. Well, for Bennett Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. We wish Justin Bieber all the best. Have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. Go Dukes. Go Natty Week. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube